0: Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. I want to preach a message to you today called Don't Miss the Mission. Don't Miss the Mission. So God has a unique purpose for your life. And for me, I I did not see myself... uh, being a pastor of a church you know right through my teenage years I didn't think this was something that I was going to do but this is what God had for me and God has a way of getting what he wants and grabbing your attention and for me, uh, being a pastor is what happened along the way to just following Jesus. You know, I didn't necessarily set out with the intention of doing that. It's just what happened when I followed Jesus. And I think there's a couple of different ways that people approach Christianity. I think there's probably two types of Christians. There is one type of Christian that has um, got a relationship with God as best as they can because they're trying to avoid hell. And so if you're trying to avoid hell, you probably think that God is angry with you. You think that when you come to church, it makes him happy and and, and you could you get bonus points for that, you know? And, and so if, if you come here, you check the contract and the best thing that you get out of this deal is you don't go to hell when you die. And so that's one way of, of trying to be a Christian. And then there's another way of trying to be a Christian, which is that you are actually a follower of Jesus, which is a completely different scenario. To get all together. And so, if you're a follower of Jesus, it is an exciting life to live. God can take ordinary situations and circumstances and change them so they're extraordinary. There's no such thing as a just a normal, everyday, average day. If you always are giving those days to God, I know that he wants to do something with your ordinary every day, okay? Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian and you say, well, that's good for all of the Uh, Christian people in the room, I promise you this, God has a plan for everybody. Christian people are simply closer to it. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're further from it. See, I've understood that God wants to use everybody. And when I say that, I don't mean it in a negative way, because when you're a follower of Jesus, if we were to just step into your prayer closet for a minute. Christian people that are followers, pray, God, use me. God, use me. Like the prophet Isaiah, send me. I'll go. I want to be used by you, God. I want to do something significant with my life and significant with my day. And this uh, uh, wanting to use our time and our abilities and our talents and our treasure to serve God is something that Jesus has asked us to do in fact he said to everybody that was going to be a follower of him that he wants them to go out into all the world and to preach the good news which is the gospel of Jesus Christ to all creation and that we should baptize nations he says it in different ways in the different gospels and in the gospel of Mark he says hey I want you to heal the sick I want you to raise the dead. I want you to make an impact on planet Earth. I want you to bring some kingdom things and start to set the things that are out of order on planet Earth. Begin to put them into kingdom alignment. Begin to put them into kingdom order. And I promise you this, that task that he just gave to everybody is impossible if you try to do it on your own. It is a practically impossible task. Because there is nothing about you on your own that gives you the ability to heal the sick, to raise the dead. You don't bring the conviction into people's hearts when they want to give their hearts and lives to him. That is something that you cannot do on your own. It is an impossible task. And I don't know if you've ever been faced with an impossible task. Something that you felt like you were responsible for and it just seemed impossible to you to do. Like, I just said, uh, you know, what was his mandate? To go out and to heal the sick. Well, maybe that's something that you're dealing with today. Maybe there's a sickness in your body and uh, can't be diagnosed and people don't know what they're going to do about it. My family, we're journeying through that right now. And so, uh, you know, that is an impossible problem. And I'm wondering if I am the only person at church today. Maybe I am. But if you ever, um, when you face an impossible task, just wish that Jesus would materialize in front of you, and you could just like, just, you just want to hold him and grab him and, 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 and speak to him. And it's not like you don't think that he hears you, but this is one of the challenges of following a God that's invisible, you know? Yeah. Every now and then you just want him to show up. Am I the only person yeah. that's felt like that? Okay, good. So uh, thank you. So, so I've wanted Jesus to show up. And the disciples, no doubt they felt the exact same way. And yet Jesus said something to them that was so interesting. He said, it's actually better for you if I go. It's better for you that I'm not here. This is what he says in John chapter 16 and verse 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, you can see that that is felt with a capital because it's the name of a person. It says, The helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. So it's a him, it's a person. The helper is what he's referred to here. It says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So if it's better for us that Jesus goes, remember his words, not mine then what he gives to us must have some significant impact that would be better than having Jesus still on planet Earth. It must be better. In fact, he says, you're at an advantage if I go, which I don't know, like in my mind, and maybe I've got it wrong, but it kind of almost feels like it would have been a disadvantage had he stayed. It's actually better for us if he goes. In fact, he's so clear about this. He says, this helper that I'm sending to you is so imperative for the mission that I'm giving to you. You absolutely need him. Don't even think about trying to do anything without him. He says just a few pages later in your Bible, in Acts chapter one, in verse four, it says, while staying with them, hey, let me bring you up to speed before I read the scripture. Right now, Jesus has died. He has uh, been buried. He has uh, been resurrected. And he has been with them for a period of about 40 days. It says, and while staying with them, Jesus, uh, speaking of Jesus, it says that he ordered them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. Well, I just read that to you, so now you've heard it too. He said, what you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now he ordered them not to depart Jerusalem until they had this helper that he spoke about because he knew that what he was asking them to do in the Great Commission would be practically impossible unless this helper, the Holy Spirit, came To help them. This is not complicated, is it? This is very easy. So he sends the Holy Spirit and the scriptures here say that They would become baptized with the Holy Spirit. And about 10 days later, there they were. And it says that they were all gathered. The disciples were gathered together in a room. And there came the sound like a mighty rushing wind. And the Holy Spirit baptized them, filling them with his spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues. And then the story goes on from there. This is the beginning of the disciples' story. This is the beginning of the story where it gets really interesting for them, and I believe that it was God's plan not just for His immediate disciples that He spoke to there to be filled with the presence of the Spirit of God, but it would be His plan that anybody that was a follower of Jesus would also be filled with the Spirit of God, because we are all called to the same mission. Wouldn't that be unfair if He gave them the Spirit when they had to do the mission? He says, "By the way, it belongs to you guys too." Now we're all but we don't get the same helper it doesn't make sense so this is where their story really begins i'm a i'm a father of three kids i love telling great stories so my kids they love to watch superhero movies and comics and there's a series on tv called the flash okay and so they, they like to watch it, and I like to tell great stories. So I say to them things like, I didn't know really how to break it to you, but I have all the same powers as the Flash. <laughs> and they say, no, you don't. I said, oh, I do. And they're like, really? And I say, yep. And they say, then prove it. I'm like, what do you want me to do? They're like, do move really fast. And I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> They're like, you didn't do anything. I said, oh, yes, I did. I said, the problem is your eyes aren't fast enough to see me. You want me to do it again? You just missed it. <laughs> I just ran around the room and came back here. In fact, while we're having this conversation right now, I'm moving all over the room, and you are just not fast enough to see me. And you can see them start to like get frustrated at the fact that they can't quite prove me wrong. And they look at me, and they're like, well... Where's your costume? And, and how come we didn't know about this? I said, well, I need to protect my identity. I said, you can't. If my enemies were to find out that I had a family, you would all be at risk. So I have to keep this a secret from everybody. And they said, well, how come you are such a slow runner, Dad? It's, it's all part of the scam. I am only slow Why can you catch me, 10-year-old son Judah? Because I have to pretend to be slow because it's part of keeping up the scam. It's part of the the rouge to make sure that my enemies don't know, right? You can start to see them. They still don't believe me. They are just not quite convinced that I have all these supernatural powers and abilities. Why? Well, they've never seen anything that would give them any indication that I have those. It's irritating. Uh, If you were to tell us, that um, you were an incredible basketball player and you're, you, you know you could you could play for uh, play in the NBA but you are actually playing men's f grade on monday nights and you can't shoot anywhere outside of the key right it, and and if I was to say you told me that you were great it's like oh i'm just not using my abilities right now people would say you know what i think it is you just don't have them <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're lying to yourself and to the rest of us, you know? And, and and so, you know, there would have to be some kind of evidence that there was something, you know, that would indicate that what you're saying was true. Now, let me ask you a question. If the Spirit of God lives in you, shouldn't we see it? Like, shouldn't we see it if the Spirit of God was to live in you. Don't miss this point. This is very important for the kind of life that you're living right now, or maybe the kind of life that you want to live. The Holy Spirit shows up all the way through the Bible. So in the Old Testament, they use different words uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, but we see him all the way through. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 that the spirit of God was hovering over the waters in creation. And so we see him there and then we see him uh, uh speaking to Moses through a burning bush and then we see the the spirit of God you know speaking to uh uh, uh, the prophets and and uh, we see him in the anointing of David when he speaks to the prophet Samuel we if you start to open your book and start to read through um, all the books of the Bible, by the way if you 're new to church, they divide the books it 's not chronologically ordered; they group the books together based on the kind of writings that they are, so all the prophetic literature is all put together and so if you were reading prophetic literature and see that time and time again that the Holy Spirit would speak about the future through the prophets and that they would prophesy with accuracy. There would be something about this that would, that would make you say they had the Spirit of God. We can see it in them, right? And then we come to the New Testament and we see the Spirit of God, of course, showing up in the Gospels and leads Jesus out into the desert. And in fact, Jesus' whole life while he was on planet Earth, he's listening to the Spirit of God and, and so forth. And then he gets to the, the end of the Gospels where Jesus dies on the cross and forgives um, or, you know, all the world of their sins or the people that call on his name at least anyway way and believe by faith that he has paid the penalty for their sins. He says, right, now what I had, I'm going to give to you, or I'm going to send him to you. And when I go, I'm going to send him to you. Now, I just want to tell you something that is very important here about getting the Spirit of God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you will not be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit won't come and live in you until your sins are forgiven and your sins can only be forgiven through Jesus Christ. So once you become a Christian, you've given your heart and your life to, to Jesus, you are a candidate to be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, you are not God. You are not some little version of Him. It says that He would come and that He would actually begin to live in your heart. In fact, I want to read a scripture to you, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Now, if you've been in church for a long time and you've heard this before, you may be inclined to sit back into your seat and say, Yep, we we know this. But can you just forget about the, the, the preaching rhetoric for a second and imagine this. God, creator of heaven and earth, wants to live in you? Really? Is that amazing to you this morning? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This should blow your mind. I'm talking about the God that created the heavens. He created the earth. He created the universe. He breathed out stars. And this God, this amazing God, incredible God, He wants to live in you? This is incredible. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, maybe you're like my kids saying, I'm not so sure about that because I don't really see anything in the people that say that they've got him that would indicate that that God is in there. What is it about people that would indicate that the presence of God is there? There should be something different, yeah? Yeah, shouldn't there? Shouldn't there, be? shouldn't there be something different about the people that have the Spirit of God? Like, you, you, you put a few people next to each other, some have it, some don't. Should we be able to tell? How could we tell? There should be something significant, and there is. Do you know the Bible says that when people began to be filled with the Spirit of God, it actually mentions it five times in the book of Acts. It talks about people being uh, baptized in the Spirit or filled with the Spirit of God. So four out of those five times, there is a clear indicator the moment they are filled. Something that indicates it. Three of those indicators say explicitly that people spoke in tongues. One of them says that there was a sign that was evident to all. Most biblical scholars would say it probably was somebody speaking in tongues, but the scriptures don't say that, and so we can't be 100% sure. But most theologians will say or Pentecostal theologians at least, would say that when you are baptized in the Spirit that you begin to speak in tongues. Now, if you say that you've been baptized in the Spirit and you don't, I'm not going to tell you that you don't have the Spirit of God in you. But there should be something about you that we see that's radically different to your everyday person that does not have the Spirit of God in them. So what the Spirit of God will do in your life is He begins to manifest His presence. The word manifest, it means to make something plain or obvious. makes it simple. It means that we can look at you and say, oh, I get it. Now I understand. So when He begins to manifest His presence in people's lives, it comes out different ways. One of those ways is spiritual gifts. And there's all kinds of spiritual gifts as workings of miracles and healings and the interpretations of tongues. But not everybody believes what I'm telling you right now. Not everyone believes what I'm saying to you guys this morning. In fact, Christianity over time has split based on their beliefs. And about a thousand years ago, there was something called the Great Schism that split into uh, the uh, Eastern Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church as we know today. And then they have continued to split over some of their differences And now, there are literally thousands of denominations. How could I explain the differences between different Christian groups? I couldn't. I didn't even know how many exist. But there's thousands of denominations that split over small differences. And let me give you my opinion on what I think about this. I think that when it comes to Christianity, you can focus on small things that we might divide over. But this is how I break it up. I think there are convictions I think there are absolutes, sorry, number one, absolutes, then I think there are convictions, and then I think there are opinions. So an absolute would be something that we would go to war over. What would we go to war over? We would go to war over the fact that Jesus Christ did not have sin when he died, because if he did, then he couldn't represent humanity and be the sacrifice. That enables us to be forgiven of our sins. His divine origin, born of the Virgin Mary, we would we would go to war over that because of the implications involved in that. We would we would subscribe to the fact that. Uh, uh, that Jesus will come again, the second coming of Jesus. Uh, these are things that are core to what we believe, and those things we would go to war over. Now, when it comes to opinions, and, and people can still split on opinions, but when it comes to opinions, you might have, or, or, or a conviction, rather, sorry, when it comes to convictions, it, somebody might say, I believe in tithing, and I believe in giving. And so, what, personally, what do I do? Well, I, I tithe. But some people are going to have a different conviction about what they do. The one thing that you cannot escape is that God has asked you to be um, exceedingly generous. Okay, so, so for me, what do I think? I think that generosity begins after my tithing. So, so that's just that. Why? Because I believe that 10% of my income belongs to God. I give that to Him. And then everything from there is what I'm generous with. Okay, that's, that's, that's what I believe. I have a conviction about that point. But then we come to this other thing called Uh, opinions and opinions could be things like why am I not wearing a suit today don't you know a minister of Jesus Christ should be wearing a suit and tie and dress up I read blogs about this stuff occasionally they actually say that I read a blog once from a guy that said try to dress just a little bit better than everyone in your church you know people believe this stuff An opinion could be something uh, like, oh my gosh, you guys use a band to worship God. It wasn't so long ago that people thought drums were of the devil. You know, and and, and believe it or not, but this is the kind of crazy stuff that people are going to get upset about. Should pastors wear skinny jeans? Let's have a conversation about that. Let's let's spend some time on the non-important issues and make an issue out of stuff that really, who cares, you know, like... Isn't it crazy that churches that should be united are actually split based on opinions about stuff that is inconsequential? See, this is the thing. When it it comes to supernatural outworkings of the Spirit of God, Christians will still disagree. In fact, some Christians will say that there should be nothing supernatural in the Bible. There was a 19th century uh, theologian, Rudolf Bultmann, who said that we should remove everything supernatural from the Bible to make it more believable. And he was a Christian. I'm like, well, where do you start with Genesis chapter 1? God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, which, which part do we remove? Like, even if you're, if you're here today, oh my goodness, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, could we just say, in the realm of God... If we're talking about God, then shouldn't all things be possible? I mean, you either believe it or you don't. But if he's real and he exists, then everything is feasible. Like, as I read this, nothing would be impossible. In fact, I think someone important once said that. With God, all things are possible. Imagine splitting over such minor things, but and yet sometimes uh, some churches will do that. Some people say, well, the Bible even says that those charismatic gifts, that they uh, are no longer functional or operational, we shouldn't expect to see them. See, you know what happens is that when you don't see enough of the Spirit of God in your own life, you bring God down to your level and say, this is where you operate. And the belief for this is something that they call... Like theologians will call this word, people that study the Bible, they call it cessation. And it's a ceasing of the gifts, right? So I want to read a scripture to you that comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I'm going to read this to you from... Because this is one of the scriptures where they say, oh, no, 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 the, the gifts have ceased. They don't work. Have you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13? So it says this beginning in verse 8. Love never ends. As for, for prophecies... Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. This scripture clearly says that prophecies are going to cease and tongues are going to cease. The overarching emphasis of this scripture is on love because love is eternal, because You know, eventually Jesus is going to come back, and then we won't need that special help that we've been getting from the Spirit of God because everything will be different. See, notice the scripture, it said, When the perfect comes. Well, when the perfect comes, it also said, I'll see him face to face. We're not there yet. If you do your homework on this passage of scripture, it's talking about the second coming of Jesus. And it says that when Jesus comes back, these things like the prophecy that we need right now, he says that those things will cease and tongues will cease, but it's because we'll be face to face with our Savior. He will be there at that very point. It says love is the greatest of all of these because love will carry you through this life and into eternity. That's why love is the greatest. Everything else might pass away, but love will continue all the way through. We need the power of God at work till Jesus comes back. And this is what Paul said. Paul the apostle said, when I came to you, speaking to a church that he was preaching to at the time, he said, when I came to you, he said, I didn't come to you with plausible words of wisdom. I wasn't my persuasive speech that convinced you of anything. He said it was a demonstration of the Spirit's power. In other words, when the Spirit began to manifest himself through the Apostle Paul, everyone was convinced because they, what did he do? It made it plain and obvious that God had filled him. And they said, we believe you because now we see something in you that indicates that God has, in fact, and indeed filled you. And I'll tell you this right now. As a person in the constant pursuit of the things of God, I am not satisfied yet with what I've seen in my time on planet Earth. I have not ascended to the pinnacle of anything I am just as hungry for the things of God as you are. I want to see the Spirit of God move in ways that I haven't seen before. I want to see miracles begin to be outworked and the presence and the Spirit of God be manifest so clearly, obviously, that all of us would say, God is in this place. I am not so easily satisfied. If you're here and, and you know, the crescendo of spiritual experience is that tingle over your body when a three-piece harmony comes together, you are so short of what God wants to do in your life. And if that's the kind of experience you're looking for, sit about there or there. We'll turn the air conditioners on. You can get the same experience. But if you're like me and you're just a little bit more hungry for the things of God, then my encouragement would be go after it. And don't be so easily satisfied with the things that you've seen. Be a little bit more hungry for the things of God. Maybe if you're not seeing it, there's a reason. Can I ask you a question today? How about this? How many opportunities are you giving to the Holy Spirit? How many opportunities are you giving to Him? You say... Where are you? He's like, I am ready to go. Don't ask the Holy Spirit if he's ready to go. He was not born ready, but you get the point. He's ready to go. How many opportunities are you giving to him? How many opportunities are you missing because you're not listening? You know, this is probably one of the great stories that I do have. I remember being at work years ago and working on my computer and then Holy Spirit comes and speaks to me and says, shut down your laptop immediately. You need to drive to your grandma's house right now. And I said, okay. So I shut down my laptop. I grabbed my keys I was working at church at the time, and I didn't even tell anybody that I'd gone. I just, there was a sense of urgency in the request. So I grabbed my keys, and I got into the car. I drove to my grandma's house in Vermont, and I walked up to the door, and I knocked on it, and I said, Grandma, are you in there? And I heard no sound, so I kept on knocking a little bit harder, and faintly I heard a voice on the other side of the door And what had happened is about 24 hours earlier, she had collapsed and she was just lying on the other side of the door and nobody would have known. So Holy Spirit came and sent me. So I go and I get the keys and I open the door and we call the ambulance and I get her back up into the chair and she is still alive today because God sent me to intervene in that situation. And sometimes we don't know if we're hearing from God, do we? God, is it you? Is that you? Is that your voice? I'm not sure. You know what I've elected to do? Just risk it. Just risk it. Because what if you're wrong? Well, you learned something. But if you're right, you changed something. Just, just, just risk it. It's worth the risk to find out you're wrong. And, and if you thought God said something that He didn't say, that's recoverable. And if you thought that God said something and later on you discovered that he didn't, now you just learned maybe one more way that God is not speaking to you, which helps narrow the door in future for when he is speaking to you so you learn to recognize his voice. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit has opportunity and purpose for you in every day. And this is not for just the charismaniacs. This is for people that are followers of Jesus. This is people that want more of the things of God. Can I tell you right now, nothing is more expensive than a missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, Sarah and I, we... I tell this story because in my whole life, this stands out as one that I really messed up. Sarah and I were on our way home from a church conference. We were pumped about God and what he was going to do. So now we're in Mackers getting something to eat on the way home. And this disabled girl... Walks out of, uh, comes out of a toilet, her mum with her. Her mum carrying her, holding her up and, and slowly moving her towards the, the door. Sarah and I are sitting there eating. She looks at us. We catch eyes. And the mum has tears in her eyes. And she says, um, what am I going to do? She just asked two strangers. We, we Like early 20s at the time, she says, what am I going to do? And I didn't know what to do. I had no idea. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I don't know what I could do in this situation. So I watched as they made their way to the door, and I turned back to Sarah, and she's wearing a T-shirt at the time that says, be the change you want to see in the world. And I looked at it and I said, we've messed this up. I said, we've got to find that lady. We've got to go out and, and, and pray for her. So this all happened very quickly and I went out there and I never found them again and I always felt like I missed that opportunity. I always felt like it was, what if that was the day that God had an assignment for me and I, and I missed it because I wasn't listening and I, maybe I looked within myself to solve a problem that only God can actually solve. Don't you understand that that's why God's given you the spirit of, of his Holy Spirit so that you could begin to change and fix and solve things that couldn't be fixed with you on your own? See, if you don't listen, you'll miss the mission. If you're not listening, you're going to miss the mission. You're going to miss what God wants to do in you and through you. I was driving the car this weekend. I was on the phone to someone, and they were asking me about something really important, but I was lost at the time. I didn't know which way I was going. So I said to this person on the phone, I said, listen, you've got to stop talking right now. I said, I've got to pull over. Let me put this into my maps. And when I've punched the destination into my maps and this has got me headed off in the right direction, then I can talk to you again. So just, can you please just wait a minute, right? Why? Because I'm a man. (laughs) And we can only do one thing at one time. So I did it. punch the navigation into the GPS, and then I continue to have that really important conversation. What's my advice to you? Do this like a man. Stop what you're doing. Maybe the reason that you're not listening is you've got too many things going on in your life at the same time. And you're so cluttered with all the responsibilities and everything that you're actually missing what God is wanting to say because you're too busy, focused on all the other things. But every now and then there comes a time when you have to realize that God has got you to do something and you need to stop everything else to pursue that one thing because He sent you to do it. Don't get distracted with the things that are out there. Just stop and listen. What if God had more for you than you realized? Going to the bus stop? Oh, that's a good story waiting to happen. That's how stories begin, you know. I was just on my way to the bus stop. That's a story that's waiting to happen. One morning I went into work. Oh, and what happened next? That's a story that's waiting to happen. You know, I was sitting on the train the other day. Oh, were you? And then what happened? See, what God will do is he'll take your everyday ordinary stories and turn them into something that's remarkable if you give him the opportunity to do it. He'll take what's ordinary and he can make it extraordinary. There's no such thing as a normal day. So stop asking God to move and start moving in the direction he sent you. You know, some people, they want God to tell them everything. God, should I wear blue jeans today? I literally read something from a person one time that genuinely believed that they would wait till God told them to get up in the morning. Which underwear shall I put on? That's not a joke. This person believed it. God would select their underwear. God would select what they do with their, you know, um, every little decision, right? Oh, the Great Commission is a mission that gives you direction over your life. Maybe what we got to start doing is just realize, and realize the direction He's sent us in and start moving in that direction instead of asking for permission for something he's already asked us to do. You know, Paul the Apostle, you know what Paul would do? He said, hey, I was on my way to see you, but the Holy Spirit prevented me. I was on my way, but God stopped me. We don't often do life like that, do we? We say, God, when you give me permission, I'll take another step. Paul didn't live like that. He said, I've heard the mission. I understand my gift I know what you've called me to do. So I am going to move. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. And then one day God's going to say, don't go this direction and say, I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. Because it's easier to steer something that's moving than something that's still. Whereas the Spirit of God at work in your life, have you started moving? Hey, are you giving Him opportunities? You want Him to move? He's, he's begging you to do the same. Would you just begin to move? Stop asking whether you should be generous and just do it. If I'm standing behind somebody, some mum in in a shopping centre and she can't pray for her groceries, I don't have a little prayer moment with God and say, Lord, is this a time when I should intervene? I just know who I am. It says, I know who I am. I know where I've been sent. And since I know where I've been sent, I know the direction to which I'm called. And since I have been given great clarity over my life, go out into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And whoever believes will be saved. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm not asking, should I share you, Jesus? I'm not saying it's just the moment that I get real with my faith and say, I just want to tell you about, Before, before I say anything, actually, let me have a little prayer sesh. I don't need the prayer sesh. He sent me on mission. I know what I'm doing. Sometimes we just got to start moving in a direction you know i promise you this the more you move the more you'll see the spirit move the more you give him opportunity the more he'll take it because he's not into abducting people's bodies and using them against their will so why don't you partner with the spirit of god and say lord today i'm on mission for you i know i'm going to the bus stop what you got for me this person standing next to me what you got for them what have I been sent out to do? Because if you give God your everyday ordinary situations and circumstances, he can start to turn it. In an incredible story, your best story will start out this way. I was just on my way. Some of the best stories we read in the Bible are of people saying the exact same thing. You know, the spirit of God might just surprise you. He did the disciples. Here's Peter. scared intimidated Peter when Jesus was being led away Peter decided to get a little bit closer, he's warming himself by a fire, just trying to watch what's going on a little girl little girl says hey I think I've seen you with Jesus oh, no. not me no, not me, denied him three times scared Peter and this is the person that Jesus has entrusted the gospel message to but remember he did say one thing he said hey listen before you start to pursue this message why don't you begin to be filled with the spirit of God I want you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and then I want you to go and do exactly what I've told you to do so 10 days after he says that here's Peter in an upper room praying and the spirit of god fills him and suddenly this intimidated scared worried peter becomes bold it's like it's like suddenly all his fears just begin to just be shifted. He goes out the next day. There are people all swarming to Jerusalem because it was a festival time. There's people everywhere. He stands up. He begins to speak out in the name of Jesus. People are hearing him, except they all speak different languages. And here's the really cool part. They're all hearing him in their own languages. He's just saying one word. It's being translated by the Spirit of God into multiple languages because that is the desperation that God has to get that message out to people. And now Scared. Peter is suddenly bold and brave for Jesus, and he got threatened. And they said, "Hey, if you keep preaching the name of Jesus, we're going to throw you in prison." Our prayers would be, "God, keep me out of prison." Peter's prayer was, "God, make me bold, make me bold, make me bold. I'm not going to be afraid. Make me bold, make me courageous." so I can keep preaching your word. He didn't even speak about prison. You know why? Because I reckon he knew that there was a story that was going to be written there too. Well, I was just on my way to prison. Wow, what happened next? What happened next? I want you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for people today because you need to start worrying about the opportunities that you're missing and start to find today's mission. Because there are people that need this message and God has elected to send you. Start listening. Don't don't miss the mission. Don't miss it. Hey, thanks for listening to the Activate Church weekly podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.